Uh, thanks for being here. I'm Matt Avery, pastor here at Midtown West. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Father, uh, we come in tonight from all different places, Lord. We are, uh, we are people who are weak and frail, and we are, we are so porous. We are so, uh, we're like sponges, and we're just soaking up everything around us, Lord. The, what's going on with the people that are, are near us, uh, what's going on at work, what's going on in our community, in our world, in our neighborhood. Um, and so, Lord, we, we are just full of a lot of things, and we come into this place, as Tom said, with all those things, and we come to you, the, the one who is the maker and sustainer of our souls, uh, the one who has given us our very lives, and the one who is, is always wooing us and calling us to himself to give us life. And so, Lord, tonight we're here. We are at your, uh, we're at your feet. Uh, we, we beg of you to uh, not leave us unchanged, that your spirit would just do your good work. You're always so faithful to do it, Lord. So please do it now. Um, as we hear your word, you promise that your word never returns void. And uh, just melt our, our stony hearts, Lord, and uh, give us a deeper hunger for you and a deeper awareness of how you are so near. Um, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are starting a new series tonight. Um, this series is going to take us to the fall where we, we usually do like a big series in the fall and a big one in the spring. And so we've got this six-week window where we're going to do this series that we're calling God's Orienting Questions. So um, how many of y'all have ever done any like backpacking? A few. Everybody. That's amazing. Okay, great. Um, so we're the outdoorsy Midtown congregation. Uh, yeah, if you're familiar, if you've ever, how many of y'all have done like orienteering? Like compass and map, yeah, wayfinding kind of stuff. Okay, so uh, the reason we're calling this God's orienting questions is because uh, there are actually places in Scripture where God asks questions, uh, which kind of seems strange when it's the God of the universe who knows all things. And so, um, as it turns out, he's not asking those questions for himself as much as he's asking them for us. Happy birthday, Reagan McFarlane. Reagan McFarlane's birthday. Um, but he's, he's asking those questions for us. We need to be oriented. And so it's like if, you were, if you've ever hiked in a wilderness area where there's not a marked trail and you just have a map and you're just trying to get from point A to point B, there, you're not going to find a trail. And so what you've got to do is you've got to use your map and your compass. And so if you want to think about it like this, the map is like just reality. Um, the map doesn't change. And so if I'm trying to get from point A to point B, that's always going to be the same. Um, the map is what is true. The map is what we can put our full weight on. It's God's word. It's, it's the, what is true about his universe and all of his creation. Uh, the compass is where we are. The compass is where am I in relationship to where I'm going because I've got to know both. I've got to know um, where I'm going on the map, but I've also got to know where I am right now so that I can move from this place to get there. And so we're coming out of this season of, of COVID where um, so, so much has been disorienting. It's like we, we heard the doorbell and we went to open the door and somebody just punched us in the face and we're trying to like figure out what's going on. Um, and as it turns out, uh, really it's, it's not so much that COVID was so disorienting as, as maybe we would like to think it was as much as it was just kind of more exposing um, of, of where we really are. And so that we need to know where we are. And as we start this series, um, and we need to know where we are because, because God's bringing us somewhere good. 
Um, he's, he's taking us from where we are and leading us somewhere good. And so this is a, a great start to the series. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis 3 tonight, and I, I'm like geeking out over this. This is one of, I, I think this is just one of the most like rich foundational chapters of Scripture in all of Scripture. And uh, sometime before uh, the Lord calls me home, we are going to do a series called Origins here. And we're going to go through Genesis 1 through 11 because there's just so much amazing stuff in there. But um, I'm going to ask Lindy Griffin to come up and read our, our passage for us. So this is out of Genesis 2:25 through 3:15, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Lindy. Okay, so um, I included the last verse of chapter 2 because we just need to start here. The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. That, that word naked is just open before. And so this is a picture of total freedom. This is a picture of total freedom, total openness. Like, think about... Think about your life and being totally open, not having to run everything that you're about to say through a filter, not having to even physically cover up, but like all of your thoughts, you're just totally open and totally present. There's not all these, you know, wheeling and dealing going on in my mind of like, how am I going to play this? How am I going to, it's just, you're just there. Think about the peace and the freedom that uh, maybe we've never felt before. It's just the total freedom. And this is, this is freedom in God's, living in God's moral order. <laughs> this is when God is God and, and he's given these people a way to live um, and they're, they're living that way. They're living in total freedom. 
And so we start there, uh, and now we also have to, to be aware of something else, that there's an enemy loose in the world. And uh, he comes in the form of a serpent, and uh, he is always working, as Jesus later tells us in the gospel, uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, this, this one, we're not going to get deep into this, but uh, the enemy, he, he wants so badly to be God, and because he can't, um, he's, he's just angry and full of wrath and, and just desires to ruin everything that he can. If I can't be God, I'm going to ruin everything that God cares about as much as possible. And, and so that's what he set out to do. And, and now we're going to see how he comes to God's people because it's really important because he's the same. Uh, he's the same then as he is today, and the way that he works and, and all of his minions work is, is the same. And so when we see the way that he comes to Adam and Eve, um, we see also the way that he comes to us. And that's really important for us to, to study this and to be aware of this. And so um, starting in, in verse 1, he starts with introducing doubt about God's wisdom, God's love, and God's character. Did God actually say Huh, that's, that's weird that he said that. And it just leaves you thinking, wait, why is that weird? Why, why is he like saying it like that? Does God not love me? Does God not know what he's talking about? Does God, is he a liar? Like, do I, can I still trust who he is? And so the wheels are turning in Eve and um, it's already taking effect because of the very first thing that she says in response to him. She is already downplaying, it's easy to miss this, but she's already downplaying his abundance and she's already playing up the boundaries that he's put on her. Um, what God says is, um, you may surely, this is in chapter two, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden except this one. And when she answers, she just says like, yeah, yeah we can eat of the trees in the garden. And then God says, yeah, this one, you don't eat of it. And she adds, um, yeah, we can't eat of it or touch it. It's like even, I mean, like I said in the prayer, like we're just so porous, we're just so spongy, we're just soaking up everything in the way that, that even this question is beginning to introduce doubt into her mind is shaping the way that she's thinking about what God has said uh, and, and maybe even why he, he has said what he said. Um, and you know, just think about this, like he said, you, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden and, and like let's pull back a little further, like the garden that he created for you to live in and he created you to live in it. Like this God who has only ever done what is so good and so loving and so kind and so perfect. Um, now we're beginning to question his motives and, and who he is. And just look at, look at how the evil one speaks to her. Um, when we read this, it should humble us intellectually. When we read this, um, we should be so humbled and that should drive us to dependence on Jesus because we cannot stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with him in our own power. We are, we are not the mental giants that we think we are. Um, look, look what he does here. He says, oh yeah, yeah, you won't surely die. Um, God says, you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And he says, no, 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 you won't surely die. Um, and he's, he's right in one sense. Um, they will die spiritually they won't die physically. And then he, then he even says, no, when you eat of it, like, hey, this is inevitable. This is gonna happen. Like, when you eat of it, here's what's gonna happen. Your eyes are gonna be opened and you're gonna be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, here's the thing. They were already like God in all of the ways that were good to be like God. 
He made us, he made them in his image. And so they were just like him in all the ways that were really good and really freeing for them to be made in his image. Um, but now what's gonna happen is their eyes are gonna be open to good and evil and they're gonna realize that they're standing over here in evil. <laughs> and so it's, yes, their eyes are gonna be open to new things. Their eyes are gonna be open to horrors. Horrors of, of what is real and true now um, in this place of disobedience and sin. Um, and and they're, gonna, they're, they're gonna be like God in new ways that they don't wanna be like God. It's like um, our boys like wanting to be adults and thinking like, yeah, you, you are right where you need to be right now. Um, but like if, if you were an adult and that meant that you had to get up in the middle of the night and change diapers or you had to pay taxes or you had to do all these other things, like this is, you don't wanna be an adult like that. You just, you just wanna be where you are right now. You wanna be an innocent child who's free and gets to, to roam and play and let us worry about that. And that's kind of what's going on here. Um, and then it says something that we're very familiar with. Um, what Eve does in response to uh, what, the, what the evil one says, it says that she sees. Um, she's, she's depending now, instead of on God and his word, she's depending on her own perception. Well, well let, let me see. Let me see what I think about this. Um, let, let me take all of the information and I run it through my filter and I'll, I'll be the arbiter of truth. I'll decide what's good for me. And so this is, this is where it all begins for us. Um, just this deep ignorance and this deep pride to, to walk in direct opposition to something that God said so plainly and to think that um, she and, and Adam's with her, so it's, it's not just Eve, but to, to think that they could make a decision of this magnitude apart from God in direct opposition to what he said. Like, it, it's just total ignorance because their perspective is so limited. Our perspective is so limited, both in breadth and in depth. I, I don't know everything. I really live like I do a lot of times. I like to think that I know everything. I like to think that I understand everything. I like to think that everything that I don't agree with or I think is stupid is because I fully understand it and comprehended all of it. Understand it. See, I'm, I'm limited. I fully understood it and comprehended all of it. Um, but that's not true. The truth is there's a lot of stuff that I think is stupid because I'm not able to comprehend it. I can't even get on level with it. And that's where we are. Um, it's this pride and this ignorance uh, that now plagues us. It's, um, it all begins here. And, and Satan is always working to breed uh, distrust in God and distrust in God's word and, and a really um, foolish trust in our own selves and our own perceptions and our own ability to see and perceive what's true and what's good and what's right. And, and so Eve here is, she's running it through the filters. And, and I want y'all to just stop as we like kind of slowly walk through this and think about um, all the ways in which you're tempted and see if this checks the boxes. Um, this, this fruit is appealing to the desires of her mind. Um, I wanna know more. I wanna have superior knowledge. I wanna have superior understanding. I wanna be in a position of power. Um, it appeals to the desires of her eyes, of what's beautiful, what's attractive. And it appeals to the desires of her body, um, what feels good, what I think is good for me, what makes sense to me. 
um, in opposition of, of God's will. And so, um, man, I wish we had, uh, we, could, we could do a whole series on this, on this passage, but um, here, we just wanna stop and say, we, we, need to, we need to really get our heads around and make sure that we have a, a good definition of freedom. Because too often, we're tempted to think that freedom is just the absence of any constraint. And if, if I'm not careful, and as Paul says, if I'm not taking every thought captive, then a lot of times what the Lord says to me starts to feel like a deep burden, um, and I just wanna be free. But as we can see really plainly here, like God's moral order and, and his will for my life, these boundaries are healthy and good, and this actually what cultivates real freedom. Real freedom is, is me living in the bounds of how he's created me as a finite being to live. And when he tells me, hey, this is good for you and this is how life works and this is what you need for life, when I walk into the truth of that, that's freedom. That's when I'm maximizing soul, mind, body um, is living in accordance with his revealed will. Um, they had the freedom to disobey God and decide to be their own arbiter of truth, and then that led to uh, deep, deep bondage. And so, that's where we find ourselves now. So the, that's temptation and sin, and now the effects of sin. Um, starting in verse seven, you know, God, seven to 13, kind of this, this passage here, we're just seeing the, the radical effects of sin. And, um, Nothing is new under the sun because when you read this chapter and you've, you've run your life through the filter of this chapter, see like nothing has changed since the beginning of human history. Um, the Lord is asking, you know, where are you? Um, because you're not naked and unashamed anymore. Something's happened. Something is, you, you, were, you were very free and you were living exactly as I designed you to live and, and now something has interrupted that freedom. Now you're, you're terrified and you're ashamed. And so now um, they and we have listened and entrusted themselves to, to some other voice, some other authority besides God to decide how to live um, and what's good. And so now, like Adam and Eve, um, this is something that's really important for us to, to get is that in them, like we have all um, fallen. We have all now have this default mode that, that wasn't true before the sin entered the world. Now, I have a default mode that is actually in opposition to God, that I, I do wanna be always the arbiter of my own truth. I wanna decide what's best for me, whatever feels good, whatever looks good, whatever sounds good to me, I think is good. And, it, and if the Lord um, is showing me otherwise and it doesn't make sense to me or I just don't care enough, then my way wins. And that's just kind of the default operating mode of all of us now. Um, in my sinful flesh, I'm just prone to believe that um, it's actually me who gets to decide the difference between good and evil. But here's the thing, we're not equipped to live like this. We're living out so far above our pay grade, so far out of our league, and it's just ripping us apart when we live like this. Um, and so when God asks, where are you? Um, it's such a, a brilliant question. Just where are you right now? Like, like what is happening in you? And what does he want them to see when he asks this question? Well, let's just go through the list of what we see here. Um, now they're guilty. There's both this situational guilt of I've done something wrong and, and this existential guilt of like, 
my whole life is somehow wrong now because I'm in sin and I'm apart from God. There's shame. Shame, you know, guilt is like, I'm not okay with what I did. Shame is I'm not okay with who I am. And now when I'm not okay with who I am, I, like how can, how can we be in a relationship with each other? Blaise Pascal, this brilliant mind, uh, said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Like I'm just not okay with myself. I've always gotta be doing, having more. Um, because something is, something is deeply wrong in here. And so it, now when I'm in front of you and I'm trying to have a relationship with you, I desperately long for that connection because that's what I was made for. But there's also something in me that's like, I, I cannot let you in. I've got to cover, I've got to hide, and it's all the things that we see them doing here. Um, covering, like they're making garments for themselves. You know, they're making loincloths. They weren't making t-shirts and I think that's because like that's the part of their body that was different from each other and so now like I, I feel like I'm not okay and the part of me that's different from you must be bad they're hiding hiding from God uh, the one who created them the one who loves them the one who has only always been good and kind and and wonderful to them um, now they believe that he's the enemy and they're terrified of him um, he's gonna kill us. We have to hide from him. Defensive, minimizing, blaming. I mean, just like, I love uh, Adam's answer here. <laughs> well, the woman that you gave me. So it's like two for one special. <laughs> oh, what did I do? Well, she, remember you are the one that gave me her. Um, and just the minimizing of like, oh yeah, well, okay, maybe I did something wrong, but, but look at everybody else. Like, we, we know what that's like, right? <laughs> like, that's like most of what comes out of my mouth a lot of times, if I'm honest. And so this is, this is now the norm. This is the default. This is what it is to live in a fallen world. There's now distance where there was intimacy. There's now a severed relationship where there was just total intimate freedom between God between us and God, between us and one another, and between, really, within our own selves. Um, there's not even peace within myself. And so up to this point, um, we have this connection with this, this good and beautiful and wonderful God, and now that connection is severed, but he didn't change. They did, and we did. Um, and so now these forces of evil that are at work in the world, um, you know, if you've been around Christianity at all, you hear about our three big enemies, um, the evil one, the flesh, and the world. So now basically what's happened is the evil one is quarterbacking all of this, and now there are these systems, entire systems in the world set up um, in opposition to God, where man is elevated and worshiped, and God is, is put to the side, and that's in all, all worlds, you know, economics and government and art and everything, it's like everything that's set up in opposition to God, that's called the world. And then even within us, there's this sinful flesh that we're not gonna be free of until Jesus returns and gives us um, total freedom. But there's this thing in me that wants to go along with the one who is enslaving me and the world systems that he set up and say like, yeah, that, I like that. <laughs> This thing that's killing me, this thing that's enslaving me, like, let's go, let's have more of that. 
And so now that's, that's this place where we find ourselves. Um, and I am like, the song that he's singing is the song that's in my mind and it's really easy to harmonize with him. And it takes effort to, to pull out of that and begin to try to harmonize with God again. So, I mean, you see the effects of sin, but look at this God. Look at this missional, beautiful God, like how he responds to this. He doesn't come in guns blazing. He doesn't come in and just like scorched earth. He comes so gently and so humbly walking in a very non-threatening manner. He is walking in the garden and he is calling. He's inviting He's, he is moving missionally out into bringing relationship back. Where are you? He's asking a question. He's not making a statement. He's not making a judgment. He's just asking a question. He's drawing them out, this relationship. And he, he makes a way back. Um, they are not doomed. We are not doomed. And he reveals here... Um, this is, this is the first, in this passage, this is the first proclamation of the gospel. Um, theologians call it proto-evangelon, euangelion. Um, it's really, really a special word. Um, but look at this. In verses 14 and 15, when he, he curses the serpent, he says, um, verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and her offspring. So I wanna stop here. And this is, this is our like theology lesson. Um, we're gonna do a little deep dive here, but it's really, really important. Um, you notice when God came, like even though the first interaction with the serpent was Eve, and I mean, Adam was with her, he was guilty too, um, but God didn't come to Eve first. He came to Adam. Why is that? God came to Adam first because Adam was occupying this position that was unique in human history. He is what's called a representative head. Um, Eve was not in that position. They were not interchangeable. Adam was in this position over all of the future humanity that was not yet on this earth as representative head. Um, as he goes, so goes humanity. And that sounds foreign, but like we're kind of used to that in some ways. I mean, we have a, we have a government, we have a president. If we lived in a, a, a monarchy, that would be easier to see. But like even our president, we live under his representative authority to some degree. Like I can be engaged in a war because he's made decisions that, that means that our country is in a war and I can be drafted and I can be fighting in a war that I didn't have anything to do with and don't want to have anything to do with but I don't have any control over that because he is my representative head in that capacity. And that is who Adam is for all of us. Um, you have a representative head in Adam whether you want one or not. Romans 5.12 says, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So it's this kind of both angles. It's Adam's sin, and so now there's this thing that's like a disease that's just this, this thing that's being passed down through all generations of humanity starting at the very top. And then also, I'm sinning. <laughs> so I'm adding to what's already there. So it's like I am a, a victim of Adam's sin, and I'm also uh, a perpetrator of my own sin. Um, and so now it's, it's this double whammy. 
but what's really important here is, is God comes to Adam first as representative head, but then when he's given this prophecy about what's going to happen, um, the first proclamation of the gospel, he doesn't talk about Adam. He doesn't talk about Adam's seed. He talks about the woman and the seed of the woman. And why is that? Because there's another representative head who's coming, who's not from Adam's line. And, and it's the seed of the woman because she is going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So, so this one who is coming is not of Adam's line. Um, he can't be, because if he is, then he can't do what he's got to do. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22 says this, For as by one man came death, Adam, by another man has come also the resurrection of the dead. The only other representative head in the history of humanity is Jesus Christ. And it says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Um, that's why we talk so much about the virgin birth. Luke 1.35 says, an angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. He, he's not under Adam as a representative head. He is his own representative head to lead all of those who are under Adam and under sin into redemption. And so now there's this hostility in the world between the seed of the serpent, all those who are still enslaved to the evil one, and Adam as their representative head, and the seed of the woman, all who are in Christ. And it says, um, this word, it's such a, a cool word because this same word means, means both of these different things. Um, it says that the serpent will snap at the heel of the seed of the woman. The serpent will try to strike at the heel of the seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman will break the serpent. See, the woman will break the serpent, it will break the bondage, uh, it will break this whole power of slavery that the evil one has over, over all of those who have been enslaved in Adam's sin and in our own sin. Hebrews 2.14 says this, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And so how will he do it? Um, well, look at verse 21 of chapter three. It says that, um, as the Lord spoke to them, it says that the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. He's like, hey, those loincloths that y'all made, that's not gonna cut it. <laughs> um, that's not the kind of covering that you need. And so in order to cover them with garments of skin, um, blood had to be shed. He's given a preview of coming attractions. He's saying, I'm gonna cover your nakedness. I'm gonna cover your nakedness that brings shame by clothing you in something else, uh, by clothing you in this skin that this blood had to be shed. Isaiah 61.10 says, um, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My, my soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. He has clothed me. Um, and, and what are these garments of salvation, these garments of righteousness? Paul says in Galatians 3, 27, um, if you're baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. Um, it, it is God himself that when Jesus um, went as a sinless, perfect, holy Man, the only one who was free from the slavery of sin. 
as he walked through this life perfectly and he took all of our punishment on him on the cross, um, he has dealt with all that has severed that relationship between us and God and us and one another and us within ourselves. And he has taken it to the cross so that it is no more, so that we've been brought back, we've been bought by him, we have been purchased by his blood, we've been brought back to God, we have now have this relationship, we can now be naked and unashamed. That's where we're going. So if we go back to our map and our compass and we're orienteering, um, where we are now apart from Christ is, is we are naked and ashamed. We are exposed that we are severed from God and that things are not okay. I am not okay. But where we're going is we're going back to a place. <laughs> we're going beyond that place. We're going to a new place where we can be naked and unashamed in this deep, intimate fellowship that we were created for with our God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ forever. And so how do we get there? Uh, well, a good, a good way to think about this is just to go back to our question from this passage. Um, where are you? So we're gonna ask this question in a few different ways. Um, the first and most basic way to ask that question is where are you? Like, are you in Christ? Are, are you um, still in Adam's line? Is he still your representative head? Or are you in Christ? Do you have a new representative head that is leading you to freedom? Who has bought you and purchased you and freed you from slavery and enabled you to be reconciled to God? Um, and if not, here's the beautiful news. Um, all you have to do is run to Jesus. Just call out to him and, and, and ask him. <laughs> um, like, I, I believe. I believe that you have done this for me and I'm claiming this. Um, I am a sinner in need of your, your help. Um, I need your blood to be shed for my sin because I am not okay. Um, and I believe that you are the one who can make me okay. And then he is yours. He is yours. He said, just come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The second way we ask that question is, um, it's just a good question to ask with the help of the Holy Spirit, um, ask of ourselves on a regular basis. Like, where am I? Like, to just stop, like, where am I right now? Um, where am I today? What, am I angry? Am I sad? Am I um, jealous? Like, what, what's happening in me? Like, why am I acting this way toward you? Why am I thinking these thoughts about God? Am I living out of what's true? Or, or have I gotten spun around and spun up and, and don't know what's going on? Like, so to just stop and in the presence of the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, will you help me answer this question? Will you show me where I am? And, and when he does that, now I can like, be like, oh yeah, yeah, like I'm actually really angry about this and I can give that to him. Or actually, yeah, I'm really um, jealous of this person over here and that's why I'm treating them this way. Like, Lord, I just confess that sin, will you forgive me? Um, and as he brings us freedom, he's leading us to being naked and unashamed and living in the fruit of that in our lives. And then lastly, just in, in, the, in this body, as, as we are walking together down this road, we are the vessels of God asking this question of one another. As we meet for coffee with people, as we hang out with each other, as I, as I hear you talking um, and you hear me talking, it's being able to say, hey, where are you right now? Because the way you're thinking about this, the way you're asking these questions, the way that you're 
um, you're so angry about this or the, the, you know, what's going on with you? And, and being vessels for the Lord to bring us back to gospel sanity um, of what's true of us in Christ. And so, as we start this new series, um, it's a great first question, where are you? Um, and the Lord is calling us to run to Jesus and to just lay down, <laughs> to stop being the arbiter of our own truth, but just to lay down on the operating table and say, whatever you need to do to me, you just do it so that I can now uh, be moving toward being naked and unashamed and reconciled and living in this fellowship that I was made for with you, with, with each other, and, and within myself. Father, uh, as we prepare to come to this table, um, Lord, we just, just thank you. Um, we, we are so helpless. We are so little. We are so frail. We are so, um, we're just like stray dogs. Um, and and when, you're, when you reach out to bring life and healing, um, we snap at your hand and we hide and we run away. Uh, Lord, thank you for pursuing us. Thank you that you don't stop. Thank you that um, you say that all who are yours, um, you will pursue and you will finish what you started. So Lord, we, we ask that you just allow us to come to you, um, to see you for who you are, to entrust ourselves to you and to just run to you. And so Lord, now um, would you prepare our hearts as we um, prepare to run to you at this table. And I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. So um, what we're doing here as we take communion is uh, the Lord has recognized, he knows how frail we are. He knows how weak we are. He knows how easy it is to get spun up in our own heads and to not even know like what's true anymore. And so he gives us these physical, tangible signs of his covenant with us. If you are in Christ, it does not matter how you feel today. Um, the truth of who you are in Christ does not rise and fall with your emotions. Um, it, is, it is so fixed and firmly rooted in something totally outside of yourself. And so as you take these elements, as you take the bread in your hands, uh, as, you, as you take the juice, um, as you smell them and taste them and all of your senses are, are turned on by this, to know that this is something that is physically true, that Jesus was physically crucified and was physically raised from the dead. This is reality in this material world and what it does for the reality in the spiritual world, um, that your eternity is forever firmly fixed in the finished work of Christ. And that does not change with what you've done this week or how you feel about it this week. And so Jesus says, um, as he said to his first disciples, he says to us today, um, this bread, this is my body, um, and it's broken for you. Um, I had to die, and this body had to be broken so that you could feed on me. And this, this wine that you're drinking is actually my blood that had to be poured out um, to make these skins, to make these coverings for you. And so when you drink this, know that you are not drinking God's wrath anymore. Scripture talks so much about God's wrath as this foaming cup that's pouring out that his enemies are gonna have to drink. Like when Adam is your representative head, that is, that is your destiny, is to drink God's wrath. And now Jesus is giving us a meal and he's giving us a new cup to drink to say, that's not your destiny anymore. When you are trusting in me for salvation, you are drinking a different cup. You are drinking a cup of the wedding feast. You are drinking a cup of fellowship. And so when the people up here are handing you the elements, 
um, it is entirely appropriate for you to, to see us as the hands and feet of Jesus, as Jesus is handing you this cup and saying, I want to eat with you. I've done everything necessary to make this meal possible for you and me to have deep fellowship at this table. And so um, just know that no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've come from this week, no matter what you've done or thought or said, if you are in Christ, trusting in him for your salvation, this table is for you. If you are not trusting in Christ for your salvation yet, um, we invite you to just stay in your seat um, and ask him to open your eyes to see who he is. But um, for those who are in Christ, come to this table and taste and see that the Lord is good and that he loves you. So when you come up, um, just kneel, and, and when you're ready, you can put your hands out for the elements. If you want somebody to pray for you, um, just ask them and just say, hey, I'd love for you to pray for me. Um, so come whenever you're ready.